1: Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide Episode 6. This is the Athletics dedicated, Episode 5, dedicated podcast to the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is Aaron Portsign of The Athletic, joined by Allison Lucan. We're here at the uh, Blue Jackets training camp, kind of day one. Allison, say, say hello to the people.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: Tom is joining us from remote. Uh, Tom, are you there? Yes, I am. This is all coming together. Um, what a day at the Nationwide Arena yesterday at this a little while don't remember a training camp starting quite like this uh I mean we these stories have been percolating all summer Artemi Panarin what's he gonna do Sergei Bobrovsky where's he gonna go what's he gonna do after this season both of the Russian superstars both in the final years of their contracts and yesterday was their first words to the media since these their sort of off-season stories took off Panarin was jovial, uh, funny, engaging, sort of laughing on his way to free agency, smiling anyways on his way to free agency, and then Bob comes in, and oh my god, a black cloak of darkness and doom settled upon the nationwide arena. I've never seen anything uh, quite like that. We wrote up a a decent-sized piece yesterday on the website if you want to check it out, but let's talk about it further here. Uh, Tom, you've been at this a while. You've covered many, many sports. You remember a day coming out of the shoot that was was quite like like this one yesterday in Nationwide.
3: No, and it kind of um, it kind of began as it ended for Bob, didn't it? It was biz- with some uh, bizarre a bizarre news conference. I thought uh, he ended last year in the playoffs by uh, basically after after losing four consecutive games to the series, saying that. Uh, See, I didn't need any psychologists or whatever you guys are talking about. I'm fine. And then yesterday, turning around and and kind of taking that uh, tone, uh, uh, almost kind of a combative combative tone, uh, it's it's a little strange. And coupled with a news conference in Russian that apparently maybe some of the words that were interpreted weren't really (laughs) what Artemi Panarin said. So, yeah, you add it all up, and that's a, a weird way to start the uh, season.
1: Yeah, Allison, what did you make of this? I mean, I felt like Artemi Panarin was kind of Panarin, but that—that's this isn't the Bob that we've come to know here in Columbus.
2: Yeah, I think that is what struck me the most right off the bat, is that even if people had anything less than positive to say about his play, there was always comment to his professionalism, his work ethic, how dedicated he is and and this felt like a different person walking in the room he he seemed to have i don't know if anger is too strong a word but definitely some frustration maybe yes. um didn't really want to play along uh which is his right um wanted to get straight to a business-like attitude in his answers very to the point very curt um and it just it just felt like a different bob than we've come to know i was i was definitely taken off guard by by his interview yesterday
1: and his assertion that management knows what he's thinking for this season, management knows what his plans are for the future, uh, it almost made it seem like he knew exactly how and when his time in Columbus is going to end. And I, I don't get the sense, um, speaking to people around, that that it is, at least from the club's perspective, that it's that clear. I think there's still some sense that um, that the end isn't yet, written here with Bobrovsky, but that's not at all the feeling you got yesterday. And, and it, you know, typically players stick up for players. You've seen uh, countless players saying, geez, I hope Artemi Panarin stays, um, but I'm not going to beg him, and I'm not going to tell him what to do, because, you know, this is, this is what unrestricted free agency is. I think Bob's comments yesterday, some of them um, were of a nature that maybe would not be well-received in the dressing room not the players may articulate that, but it didn't seem—it didn't seem like a guy whose main focus was on this coming season and fully, wholly being a Blue Jackets player. Tom,
3: am I reading that wrong? No, I don't think you are. What, what, what was the quote about the the people around him?
1: Yeah, yeah, the criticism.
3: What what was it again?
1: Well, I have to look for the direct quote. I'll find it here, but the uh, criticism, who he'll take criticism from and which criticism he takes seriously, uh, basically saying that that I've got a group of people around me and it's their opinions that I that I value. Uh,
3: uh, that, that to me was the quote that really stuck out more than any of them, to be honest with you. Because when I hear that, a lot of times guys will say, I- I'm not gonna listen to the noise outside this room or outside my coaches. Uh, I, what matters to me is what my coaches say and what yeah. my teammates say. Right. We've heard that from a lot of players. Sometimes it might be a, just a way of getting out of answering a question, but I think a lot of times it's true. They yeah. value this is not that at all. This yeah. is the absolutely completely opposite of that. This is yeah. I've got people on the outside here, and they're the ones telling me what I should, you know, how I should be feeling, and I'm, I'm doing just fine. So that's where to to your point. I don't know how that's, that comment is going to play in the locker room.
1: Yeah, or, or certainly upstairs at club level and the, the management of this team. Here's the quote uh, from Bobrovsky. I don't look at those criticisms. So he was asked, you know, do you feel like you've been fully respected here? Do you, have you taken exception to uh, some of the criticism about your playoff performances, um, yada, yada? He said, I don't look at those criticisms. I have a team, my own team of specialists and pro people who I trust and who I believe criticism from them. That's what's important to me. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you just, you just wonder how, how that, and I, again, I'm not sure any players will articulate that, but you certainly wonder how that um, just the sentiment specifically of that, but also the, the sort, of, sort of overarching theme of his day, how that registers it. Cause I, I think sometimes goalies are seen as independent contractors Um. Have. I think Bob has always been held in high regard here for being a, a really ultimate team guy, and, and yesterday it seemed to sort of drift in a different
3: Well, I'll say this. John John Tortorella, you know, before he came here, he was there for this, the one the cup of coffee in Vancouver. Prior to that, he was in New York for four years, four and a half years. yeah, And he had a goaltender there that won him three game sevens. Three game sevens. So, excuse me if it's okay for John Tortorella to think, hey, we need, we need our goaltenders step up in the playoffs. How, how often do we hear John Tortorella during the regular season as the playoffs approach say, look, a player's legacy is made in the postseason. Right. It's not paid now. It's made in the postseason. And I don't know if some of this stuff and maybe things that Yarmo has said is rubbing Bob the wrong way. But look, you know, they pay him a lot of money. And and if you want to be paid that kind of money, I I tend to agree with Torres that, that your legacy really is made in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, Allison, anything?
2: No, I mean I, I think we've covered it. I think what's what's doubly hard about both situations, quite honestly, is and Tom referenced you know kind of some questions about the translator. We were mid Q and A with Artemy, and a couple times we looked at each other when when a word was mentioned by Artemi that didn't come out of the right. translator's mouth, but. Um, these are two men who don't have a a hundred percent command of the English language. And that is not a critique because I certainly cannot speak Russian, but it's, that's something I worry and wonder about here too, is are we, are we emotional about some things from either side and the language is contributing to the lack of an ability to move forward, Yeah. whatever that means that, that is something that's kind of in the back of my head. You know, we, you mentioned in your article where, Bobrovsky used past tense a couple times and I noticed it when he spoke. But yeah. at the same time, I say, is that a translation thing? You know, it's so it's 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 hard and it's it's a it's a much different situation than I expected to start off yeah. this, this year.
1: This the stuff with Bobrovsky, like he spoke in present tense, and then for the quote that we published with him speaking in the past tense, the entire quote was past tense, like, yes. and, and that was a quote where he was asked to sort of sum up his Blue Jackets career. And okay. then he started speaking in the past tense, which was like, whoa, um, the Panarin stuff, like we didn't run some of it because we, we then passed the videos on to, uh, another journalist who speaks Russian mm-hmm. who said, geez, even by some of the standards I've seen in, in my home country, that's not even close. Like, and some of those were, first of all, the interpreter was a employee of gold star hockey. Which is the company owned by Daniel Milstein, Panarin's agent? Um, And a couple times, you could tell that the the I use translator in quotes here um, simply just fell into making his own speech, and and who knows what what uh, Panarin wanted to articulate? There was in some cases he did not say something entirely different than what Panarin said; he just made it much more um, palatable with uh, smoother edges. so, anyways, what a strange day. Um, how can this be sustained? Like, do do you think this team can can play a season, can thrive in a season with this stuff going on? With with uh, I think they can with Panarin. Yeah, the Bob stuff is worrying to me in terms of the the whole of the team and their ability to to really compete and focus on a on a daily basis in these regular season games. Any thoughts on that, Tom?
3: Normally when you, you know, it's an 82 game season and whether you start well or not, you have, you have time to kind of catch up. If, if Given this, given the beginning here, I think they need to start well. I think this is one of those situations that if you don't start well and if Bob doesn't play well early, it could mushroom. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard, you know, with Bob, it's such a complicated story because He has been so good to this franchise, and he's one of the cornerstones of the turnaround, right? He's one of the guys that back in 2014 or whenever whenever he came in, this thing started to – 2012 started to turn around with him, and it's just – it's so bizarre that it has come to this. He's been so good in the regular season. Some of it hasn't been his fault, but, boy, did he throw down a marker yesterday. Mm -hmm. And and it's – if they start slowly – uh, it'll be very interesting, in and in, in how much, and if he starts slowly, do they start to use uh, the backup goalie a little more, who no longer can be going to Cleveland? Right. Uh, the whole thing is a little bit on a knife's edge right now to start this season. I think.
1: When Tom, I, I you know Tortorella has has said that you know the decisions for goaltending is going to will be made on who gives this team a chance to win. I think the one thing that's different heading into this season. Now and maybe even uh, I I don't know that anything changes. I don't think that yesterday changes this, but one thing that's going to be a little bit different this year is that Corposalo will have a chance to make consecutive starts or a few starts in a row if he plays really well. That was never possible before as long as Bobrovsky was healthy. And, And to your point earlier, that they sent him to Cleveland. Uh, to get starts these last couple of years, they can't do that now because he would have to clear waivers, and there's no way that he would. So, I, I and I honestly, I think um, Tortorella would love for solo to get hot. Uh, I think the whole organization would breathe a lot easier if they felt like they had a guy who's ready for number one duty uh, in the organization because there's there's a question mark about that. Yeah, Elvis Merzlikens is a promising guy, but never played a game in North America, uh, pro hockey. So I think that is different. Uh, and you mentioned that this could mushroom, it could mushroom cloud here. If, <laughs> if, if, uh, Bobrovsky struggles out of the gate, cause I think some of the, some of the issues that he brought to the surface yesterday are of a foundational, um, size, like big stuff. I don't listen to the people, here I listen to my own people I don't want to hear the, I don't want to play any more mind games with the contract I just want to worry about hockey uh, this team knows what I'm doing so ask them you know this sort of uh, it was a far different tone than we've heard from from Bob before
2: yeah and I think too I mean we've alluded to this but as much as we can understand Bobrovsky and how he works I don't want his mind fix fixated on this stuff you know, This is a man who talks about the process, who talks about his mental preparation. And I, too, if I am wanting this team to succeed, don't want him worrying about yeah. other things that seem to be on his mind right now yeah. versus just the hockey. And I, and I do think, and again, we don't know 100% what everyone is thinking, but Panarin certainly gave that energy off mm-hmm. better. Um, and for someone like Bob, who I think is very contemplative, to be that – brazen about what he said i hope that he can put that aside and focus on his game
1: the other thing is for me if you have a guy that is um and this isn't petty this isn't someone shaping numbers to to prove a an unfair point sergey Bobrovsky has struggled in the playoffs it, it that's irrefutable um we ran numbers a couple weeks ago of, since 2000 that's when the blue jackets joined the league it's always a good starting point Since 2000, the players, NHL goaltenders who have played 20 postseason games or more, he's 53rd out of 53 in one category and 52nd out of 53 in the other. That's safe percentage and goals against average. Not good. Like, really, really not good. Um, That's irrefutable. And if you have a player who is not willing to confront that, at some point you're going to run into trouble. And this may be the point. Here, where that does need to be confronted, and that does need to be addressed, that being a regular season goaltender, um, a great regular season goaltender, is fantastic. It gets you Vezina trophies. Uh, It helps your team qualify for the playoffs. But I think this is a point you made earlier, uh, Tom, when you and I were speaking uh, off to the side. uh, Bob is responsible for lifting the bar here in Columbus, but now the bar has been lifted, where the standard here is how you perform in playoffs. That has to be the standard now. And if, if he takes that personally and that offends him, then, then you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time and that's going to come to a head and maybe a change needs to be made.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. Um, this is, a, again, this is a team that is, that you know, and, and rightly so. This organization is not just happy with making the playoffs anymore. A couple of years ago, oh, great, you know, we're back in the playoffs. But this is, what, three times in four or five years they've yeah. made it now? Right. This is the best stretch they've had. But now it's like, let's go. And that's what the, 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 bigger, the big theme here to me from the end of last year until now, this was supposed to be building on this foundation. And like, okay, we've got, we've got a pretty good nucleus here. We need a couple more parts and now we can start winning rounds and, and, and really going far. Right. And that's it. we don't know what's going on. We don't know what the future is like. We don't know what the team is going to look like at the start of next year.
1: Right. It's amazing. Um, as as strange as those two <laughs> two uh, interviews were yesterday, the, I think the happy highlight, if there, if you can have such a thing as a happy highlight, was Brandon Dubinsky coming in and time. You you spoke with him a couple weeks earlier for a story you wrote. Uh, we'll get to that in in a second, but this was a different Brandon dubinsky than than I recall seeing there was some contrition there there was humility there he spoke um not not um not openly about what he went through last year but he was pretty pretty direct about what he needed to do this summer and where he thinks he is um, heading into camp. Um, you guys have both been around these guys have you seen I'll start with you Allison have you seen this version of Brandon Dubinsky before?
2: I have never seen this version of Brandon Dubinsky. I I think I said to you the minute it was over I was just shocked in the best way possible at his humility, his self-reflection, his kind of even keel. That's that's not a Brandon Dubinsky we've ever seen right. before and, and there's no judgment on either version of that, but it was just this is a very different Man, forget about hockey player. Right, and it was you know it was one interview, of course, but this is a very different man than we've seen before.
1: Yeah, uh, Tom, th- you've you've talked as I said you've talked to him previously. What did you make out of this, and where do you see this benefiting the Blue Jackets if Dubinsky is even close to what he was a couple years ago?
3: Well, yeah, I think we got to wait on that part of it. right? I mean it's uh, uh, yeah, it, he certainly seems to be on the right path, but I think even he understands. Uh, we'll see once the regular season starts and see how he's playing, uh, if he can kind of regain where maybe he was two or three years ago, um, and just not play the way he was last year. I think the word that comes to mind to me would be humbled. I think he was humbled by what happened, uh, on and off the ice last year. And when there was finally some time for self-reflection understood, I've got to make some changes here. Um, And you can, I mean, you could literally physically see him. He looks a little different. He's, he's kind of changed his workouts over the off season and he looks different. He seems to be in a great frame of mind. I think that's what we're all kind of getting at. He seems to understand that there were some issues that he, he, he's been dealing with and he's trying to get through them to kind of help this team. And as John Tortorella alluded to the day before, they need him. They need help at center. That's, you know, I'm not going to bang that drum anymore. They need help down the middle. And if he can give them that help, that's just one more step in the right direction for them.
1: So we spoke to uh, John Tortorella just a couple minutes ago after the second wave of skating drills here today. Um, Really, the only thing of note today is that uh, Artemi Panarin, who we've talked about a bit here, uh, is going to be limited early on with a stiff neck. Um, we should pause five seconds and let, and let everyone tell their favorite pain in the neck joke here. Um, but that's where that is. Uh, just in a couple of other camp updates, Vitaly Abramov's wrist looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, I think we dealt with this before. Zach Berensky coming off the shoulder surgery. Uh, is probably not going to play in early, well, he's not going to play in early exhibition games. May not play in exhibition games at all. That will be decided as the exhibition season moves along. Uh, the team went out to, I think they still go to Jones Middle School for their run, their annual run, and wow, um, Winberg won it again. Not to take any, anything away from him, but the real news here is that one of the guys that almost that finished right there was six foot six, two hundred eighteen pound Doyle Summerby, uh, the kid they signed last year, a Cleveland uh, AHL Cleveland guy. Um, so camp is is starting in earnest now. And funny, we were talking about that that run, and we just talked about Dubinsky and his his offseason. Um, this all bleeds into the series, Tom, that you and Allison did uh, and are doing. The, the final installment will be posted later today, um, uh, Speed Week. And I thought Allison's story, I don't want to make her blush, was incredible today, uh, sort of deep inside the Blue Jackets' inner sanctum with uh, development coach Nelson Aote. Aote?
2: IOT and Iot. high performance director. Director high performance. of high
1: performance. He's the director of high performance, yes. as I was saying. Um, <laughs> anyways, tell us about that, Allison, and then we'll 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 uh, brushstroke briefly the larger aspect of that series and what it says and what it means.
2: Yeah. So when you know, I mentioned in our earlier episode that this was kind of Tom's brainchild, and we stumbled upon this topic, and Tom was kind enough to let me take it on, and Tom has mentioned this throughout the series as well, I think the most interesting thing that jumped out at us as we started digging was what's, what Nelson presented to us, which is that so much of your capacity to have speed at a certain level is developed by an incredibly young age. And so after that, it really is about keeping your body functioning as optimally as possible so that you can achieve that limit. And you can make some small gains and they help them with that. but. So much of what Nelson and Kevin Collins and the rest of the strength and conditioning team is doing is basically keeping these guys in optimum health. But to such a degree, and there's a video in my story of, of Seth Jones doing one of his jumps where you can even see the arrows indicate which leg is indica- is driving force, which one is driving more force than the other. And it's it's just fascinating stuff to see someone who is inspired enough to keep trying something new like nelson and smart enough to execute on it i mean we talked to him for over an hour and i probably could have spent another five hours with them the story itself ended up being quite long as a result but it's really cool cutting edge stuff this is the first nhl team to work with the Noraxon system um, that nelson is using and and the players while saying you know they all have their methodologies and their trainers have all been pretty positive on it for the most part in terms of just thinking it's pretty cool and also seeing that it does help them be better as athletes.
1: And it was cool uh, that you pointed out, basically they stand in a the line, they walk into the room, they jump three times, yep. and they head out. It's no dramas for them. right? Um, and from just that single jump, they can see if something is developing within the player, If they're, if even if the player doesn't realize it. If they're favoring one leg over the other, uh, and they can sort of snuff these things out earlier, is really interesting. Um, I I remember a couple years ago learning that they used to wear the some players used to wear the the heart rate monitors during practice. I think more of them wear them now. Maybe all all of them do. Okay, Mm -hmm. and they could tell um, if a player's heart rate was running even slightly higher than it usually was, that they would get them. vitamin c boost or whatever right. because it that was an indication that the body was fighting off some sort of virus and maybe they could catch it in the early right. stages at some point these players are machines almost and not humans
2: right right yeah and it's it's it was pretty cool too was as with anything in any type of organization this is hand in glove with torts's methodology i asked nelson at the end of one of our talks i said you know We're right here in the middle of it Torts. you know, skating these guys into the ground for the next three days. And does that even work with with Nelson's methodology? And he actually was 100 percent behind it. He thinks that he and Torts collaborate on this information really well. Torts asks him for information on the team's rest level or a player's rest level and vice versa. he was the first to, to mention what we all knew a couple of years ago, and everyone thought it was so revolutionary how important it is that Torts doesn't have morning skates for these guys. Mm-hmm. So, the hand in glove of how Nelson and the coaching staff, as well, are working together, is what makes this stuff work. Otherwise, it's just a guy saying, Hey, do this thing, and, and no one listens.
1: Yeah. So, this was Allison's story, Was was uh, part of Speed Week. It was part four. Tom has written um, just about the the rapidly increasing pace of play in the National Hockey League, about veteran Brandon Dubinsky's um, work to stay, to keep pace, about Liam Foody, the Blue Jackets' first-round draft pick, who is a a spectacular skater, and what he does and doesn't do. And, Tom, you've got Part 5. I don't want to put any pressure on you, Tom. You've got Part 5 coming today. Tell us what that is and, and sort of what this series, on the whole, has meant and what it's been about.
3: Well, part five today is about the idea of. Uh, it, it starts out as, you, as we know that everyone that follows the Blue Jackets knows there's the AAA Blue Jacket program read by Ed, read, run by Ed Ginger. And I was asking Ed, you know, you know, what has changed since you kind of took over in 2004? He said, well, he goes, now we have strength and conditioning guys giving nutritional information to 10-year-olds 10 year olds and 10 year olds and you know, whether to eat Fruit Loops or not to eat Fruit Loops. We don't want to tell them they shouldn't eat Fruit Loops. We just want to give them the information. And part five is basically among the reasons that the game has gotten so fast is because the kids coming up have never been better prepared mm. uh, to play in the league. But at the same time, there are people in the league, including Nick Felino who's part of this, that wonders, can we harness that speed better? Uh, and whether that just because you can skate fast and just because you really look the part, there's still the, the part of playing the game. And there are people that, is, that, that believe Kenny McCutton is among them. And I think torts is among them too, that look, the, 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 the skill has, is not quite caught up to the speed that some of these guys are coming into the league with. In other words, Connor McDavid's, you know, is the, one of the exceptions, right? He is just flies and he can do everything at high speed. But a lot of these kids, coming into the game they look great they skate great but can they play great and that's kind of the 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 yin and yang <laughs> of part five of the series interesting <laughs> yeah and, and
1: you wonder honestly at some point if i mean skill is skill is space do <laughs> you see what i'm saying yes and speed is the um Removing claiming of yeah. space so uh, it's almost like speed and skill cannot entirely coexist. That and if they're maxed out, speed wins. I don't want to like get all mathematical here, but, <laughs> but that, that's just my thought. Like If the game is so fast, at some point there is no space for the skill that we're used to seeing. Um, anyways.
3: Well, yeah, that's part, I mean, part of the idea. Torch was saying that one of the things he thinks is getting lost in the game and he and of course we all hear him talking about gotta go north gotta go north no D to D passes but he's saying like even in the neutral zone the game used to have these great little 10 foot 5 foot yeah. passes to spring 2 on 1s right. Now now everyone is hitting fly balls and go get the puck and that there's not as much skill being being exhibited in the small spaces that yeah. was one of the things uh, that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois was working on this summer with Kenny McCutton up in montreal to like make those plays coming off the boards in tight areas show the acceleration and then get into the play and uh he's one of those people that understand that it's got to be about more than speed you got to make plays with that speed uh, and so that's kind of where we are I, one thing i want to mention about uh allison's story i went with allison when we talked to nelson and importantly maybe i know you're a math guy so maybe you don't appreciate this but I can tell you, I could not have written the story that Allison wrote today, because it was like all the way back to my sophomore year in college in Algebra two. It was a fascinating topic, and within ten minutes, I was completely lost. <laughs> it was interesting as hell, but I'm like, what? By the mechanic, what? Wait, 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 what are you saying? And Allison's like firing these questions off, and Nelson's like firing these answers off, and I'm like, this is amazing. I don't, I don't get it. And I thought Allison did a nice job of bringing it down and ex- really explaining it well to what they are trying to do here. And there's no question, I think Nelson is one of, uh, what did we decide, one of five Correct. high Yep. And, and, and I agree with him, by, you know, in a couple of years, I think every team is going to have one of these type of guys. Because everyone is looking for this little edge, that little edge that speed can provide, that little edge of good health. And and, and the, youth, the word you kept using it in your story, Alison. optimum. you want you want these guys at their optimum level, uh, and I, I just think that it's it's, it's only, the science is only going to grow a bigger part of the game.
1: It's such an arms race, right?
3: It is. Yeah. yeah. You're always looking for you're always looking for that little edge, right?
1: Yeah. Well, th- not to go off on a tangent here, but this is something, Tom. I think we we've, we've talked about this before, Alison. I think we've talked about it as well. I've, I've been fascinated for years about how much bigger and it doesn't necessarily apply to hockey because players have gotten actually smaller in some cases. So there's more of a chance for a five foot eight, nine guy now than there was oh. 15, 20 years ago, for sure. But, but the game's gotten and I guess what matters more about um, more than vertical height is speed. and the, the game, you know this game has gotten so much faster, but the rink is the same size. Right. In football, the players in 30 years have gotten so much bigger. Do you remember when when uh, William Perry was a big deal? He weighs 300 pounds. They all weigh 300 pounds now. Um, And 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 yet the dimensions of football are the same. The game changes then if the athletes all change, but the dimensions don't keep up with them. What height? This is something that, Tom, you do a little math for me. Oh boy. What would the height of the rim be in an NBA game if the average height of player if the rim rose with the average height of player from thirty years ago? In other words, some teams oh, had seven gee. footers, yeah, but we guards should, were six foot 50, tall. Fifteen foot rim or something, right? It might be eleven feet tall, yeah, or maybe ten foot eight or whatever. I, I, that kind of stuff is interesting to me. And if if the if the if the dynamics if the relationship between uh, the athlete and the field changes then the game changes.
3: Well, right? I think when you, when you go back the one, obviously major change that torts alluded to in the first part of the series was the removal of the red line. Now, of course yes. it's still yes. actually there, but, but the, taking the red line out in, in, the, in the first lockout fundamentally changed the game. Yeah. I mean, the yes. two line pass all of a sudden became, to the far blue line, and all of a sudden you had where where you had a couple of guys that could really fly. Now every team has five, six guys that are really, really good skaters. Yeah. And any more, unless you are an exceptional player, unless you are an exceptional player, it's hard to not have some kind of speed in your uh, strength in your skating game. Right. Well, we've seen it. We've seen guys go out of this league in the last 10 years because they it's, they can't keep up.
1: Right. Pretty young guys. Uh, yeah. And how many five-foot-something defensemen were drafted this year? Unheard of.
3: In the first round, seven. Unheard of. Under six-foot, seven right. seven defensemen. Um, and we look at, you know, I, I think the Blue Jackets defensive core is a is a perfect example of kind of where the game has gone, right? So under Torts and under Jarmo Kekalainen. Yarmo has completely revamped that that defensive core. Uh, yeah. You look at the top two players in Seth Jones, Wurensky, both wonderful skaters. Right? I mean, you can watch those guys skate. Marcus Nudavar came. I, I can remember us sitting there when his rookie year. Like, who is this guy? Wait, he's right. making the team, right. <laughs> and he's done nothing but get better. And he's just this kind of guy that I don't think seven or eight years ago. Probably would have made the NHL maybe ten years ago. May have not gotten a chance to make the NHL because he's not that big. Right. But he can make a good nice first pass, and he can skate the puck out of trouble.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the years past, you would do a story about the five foot ten guy who's going to be drafted. He's a defenseman, and he's going to be drafted. Now it's everywhere. It's uh, Chris Russell used to be small, yeah. right? Yeah. And now most teams have a Chris Russell. Uh, so. I think that does it for this episode, episode five of Front and Nationwide. A reminder, you can get a seven-week, or sorry, seven-day trial to The Athletic. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and thinking this may be a worthwhile purchase, go to athletic, theathletic.com, theathletic.com slash Front and Nationwide, Front, A-N-D, Nationwide, and uh, sign up for your free trial there. Thanks to David Cook, for the uh, intro music and the outro music. That's at David Cook Music. Pretty cool guy to follow. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday.